This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to whatever episode this is of Dunzo. I never remember anymore. <laughs> welcome to whatever podcast this is and whatever number the episode is. I have no idea, but I'm very excited about today's episode. I have a very long-awaited guest with me today. You guys, I am joined by Hannah Brown. Hannah, how the fuck are you? Oh my gosh, Troy, it is such a treat to be here. I'm so honored. I'm so privileged. I'm so just lucky to be in your presence on this show. You have no idea. Like literally, I... we recorded for Hannah's podcast, by the way, which is called Not Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown. And yes. it's like, literally, I was having such a shitty day earlier like it was such a terrible day and I needed that like that was a good hit of hour-long dopamine that I needed oh my gosh I am so sorry you were having a bad day because like Sheena Shea you're a professional you delivered I never would have known but um it was so fun it was literally like I was like I, I like it was just zippy it was fun I was like we have taken this friendship from Instagram to real life and yeah. I am so thrilled truly Yes. So I guess I should say a little backstory. So Hannah and I have like acquired an Instagram DM. Like it's a, it's really like the equivalent of like a pen pal. It's like a nineties pen pal situation, but like through DMs. And I literally look, I like when night falls (laughs) for me, (laughs) I'm like, it's time to start DMing Hannah about random weird pop culture shit that I can't say to anybody else. Yes, it's like I crawl out of the cracks and I'm like, time to message Troy. <laughs> Be like, hey, what should I watch tonight? And I still have so much to watch because as these are your words, not mine, you are like a gay Wikipedia. Right. Yeah. So it's like that the, you you have these, this never-ending list of just incredible pop culture footage that I didn't even know existed that I need to watch. You sent me a Bethany Frankel thing last night that I need to watch still. I'm like, yeah. I need a free minute. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm gonna stop sending you things so that you can go through. No, the- and then you know what I mean. I'll curate another list for like next week or whatever. Were you really good at making like playlists for your friends? We kind of talked about this on my show, but like you were like good at finding like LimeWire music. Were you like an amazing mix maker? To be honest with you, this podcast is just an extension of me forcing my friends to like listen to shit and watch shit that I wanted them to listen to when I was younger. Yes. That was my fucking kink, find and making mm-hmm. playlists for people. Oh my god! Like knowing what person would love what song and like being like, no, like I, that was a true sexual fetish of mine back in the day. 
Yes, it is like truly like when someone makes a playlist that like speaks to your soul, it is the most like intimate connection. You're like, you see me, like you see me, like you know me, which is the same reason why like if anyone were to look at my Spotify, it would be wildly humiliating because I am not a good playlist maker. And it's just, I just like songs like willy nilly. Yeah. So it's like, like Wicked, you know, Legally Blonde. (laughs) Cardi B, you know, Spice Girls. It's like nothing is in order, nothing is organized, but I love it all. <laughs> Especially because I'm like, I'm a real lyrics person. Like I love, mm-hmm. I get real attached to lyrics. So I'll be like, no, you don't understand like what you're going through in your life right now is this bonus track. So yes. you need to listen. It's not, it's not, it's a demand. <laughs> Wait a minute. In the same vein, I literally was. on shuffle on Spotify in my car the other day and the song save the best for last by Vanessa Williams came on crying oh my god yes I mean and I wanted I literally thought of you when I heard it because we had recently talked about the song wild women do and like another 90s bop and I was like "I, I I wonder what Troy's feelings about this song are and I wanted to tell a quick tale in eighth grade I was obsessed with that song and I had a crush on this boy and I thought he liked me back and all my friends were like, he likes you back. He likes you back. But he actually liked one of my really good friends and like they liked each other. So I had to like deal with the fact eventually that like the jig was up. They liked each other. They were dating. You had to take a step back. Had to take a step back, miss school, missed a day of school because I was so devastated. And all day I just listened to like, sometimes the snow falls down. In June. And I'm just like crying to the song, save the best for last. Like, You're like 14. Literally, not even, like 12. Like drinking at McDonald's and milkshaking like, you went and saved the best for last. I was like, this is emotional. This goes there. And looking back, I'm like, I mean, no, no offense to the boy, but like he wasn't worthy of that song. Listen, I know that everybody does this, but like when you come from the generation of people who invented having like your iPod and like walking to the soundtrack of yes. your own life, like we uh, invented that trope and yes, there was nothing better than that when you were like, you know, fucking 12 years old and thinking like these lyrics were literally written for me today on this day your soul yes yeah oh my gosh I I always loved like in college I would be like strutting across campus to like Lady Gaga and like I'd run into someone I know and they'd be like wow you're like in it today and I'm like I'm listening to Mary the Night yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm at the breakdown of Mary the Night yeah I'm like I can't talk right now gotta go (laughs) I'm like pretending I'm like wet on a fucking Trans Am right now yes Yes, just sweating and like flames and just can't even get me started. This is a Mary the Night podcast. It is a Mary the Night podcast. This podcast is actually, that's a good time to bring up my sponsor, which is Lady Gaga. Uh. Um, <laughs> no, actually, this podcast today is about something that I've wanted to, literally wanted to talk about for a very, very long time. You are the perfect person to talk about this with. So I gave Hannah the the assignment of watching a little known relic, a, a very, very dark, it's a, it's a deep cut. You have to really know somebody who knows somebody who had a VHS. <laughs> it's an indie classic, <laughs> a walk to remember. You guys, we are talking about Mandy Moore today. I mean, and every day. <laughs> every fucking day. I am, I've talked about Mandy Moore on the podcast before. I talked about who, whose relationship was it? It was her and, oh, it was Wilmer, oh, of course. I was going to say Wilmer, iconic. Of course. Who else would yeah. it be? Yeah. Um, and I like kind of skimmed over this movie 
in talking about her, which is something that I always end up having to do. And you and I talked about this, like one of the reasons that I wanted to kind of rebrand was because I don't want to skim over shit, you know? I want to be like, mm-hmm. no, wait, I actually want to talk about a walk to remember for an hour. Like, I'm ready for yes. that. I can't think of anything I'd love more. What is your relationship to Mandy Moore? Like, what's your Mandy Moore journey? Tell me everything in intricate detail. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so in fifth grade, I was in fifth grade when this movie came out. What year was it? 2000? 2001? I think it's 2002. 2002. Okay, so yeah, I was like 11, like fifth grade. And I just remember thinking this was the most beautiful film I had ever seen. And I never, like, I knew about Mandy Moore because I loved the movie Center Stage. So I knew of her as like a singer, but I didn't know about her acting chops. Yeah. I saw this movie in fifth grade. I thought it was the most beautiful movie I had ever seen. I thought the music was perfect. I remember like on the I bought the VHS as soon as I could. And I remember on the box, it said like Mandy Moore's performance was riveting. And I remember I was just like, once my acting is described as riveting, like Mandy Moore's like, I'll know that I've made it. Right. And I literally was so obsessed with her. I like would try and like sort of like talk like her with like the S's. Oh, wow. I would draw a beauty mark on my cheek. I had like an issue of like, uh, I think like, like one of those teen magazines that was like, it was around when the movie came out. I kept it for like 10 years because it had like four different makeup looks that they did on Mandy and like what products you needed to do them. Okay. I would bring in pictures of Mandy <laughs> to get my hair cut like hers like through high school. Yes. Like, Oh my God. And I didn't even know any of this. This is literally perfect. Lived, lived for Mandy. And then I was like, I'm over Mandy. And then This Is Us came out and I was like, Mandy, what? And I'm not going to lie. First season of This Is Us, I don't think her acting was great, Um, but thrilled to see she's on top. She seems like a lovely person and she's also like thriving on the show. So like, I'm happy Mandy is back like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, she deserves to be. I mean, like I have so many... I have so many conflicting theories about Mandy and none of them are negative. It's all mostly just like who the fuck even is Mandy Moore? Like, will we ever really know? And you know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't know. I just think that she's gotten a really bad, even from the start, she had a really bad, she had a really bad like initiation into the entertainment industry. You know, she was like pushed into being a, a pop star that she didn't want to be she was like the mm-hmm. youngest of all the girls she was literally like 15 yeah where everybody else was obviously I mean they were like 16 years old but like maybe yeah. was so young and I don't know I just I've always felt like she was sort of lost and I feel like this movie helped her sort of figure out this other thing that she could do that ended yes. up being you know the next decade of her career it's like thank god she did this Oh my gosh. And I mean, How to Deal is one of my favorite underrated films of all time. And I remember like, yeah, and to your point, like she got to explore sort of that like edgier side that she had because it it did kind of feel like she almost had this like secret, like Michelle Branch, Vanessa Carlton, like sensibility. Right. But she was so often put in this like pop princess box. And I think it's really interesting to see where, where her career's gone because, you know, when she released her last album, what, like a couple years ago, Extraordinary, yeah. is that what it was called? You know, she kind of got to tap into that like Sarah Bareilles side of her. That's a little more like, I, cause I think part of why I've been irritated by Mandy in the past is because she seems so nice. Like in an mm-hmm. interview, she's like, yeah, so I don't know. It was just really like, she's so sweet yeah, where like- I'm like, there's no fucking way you're this nice. Like you are yeah. fake. But I really think she's just like a salt of the earth, like angel of a person, like yeah. across the board. 
she I, I agree with you and I think that's like those are the perfect girls to compare her to I think if she had it her way in you know 1999 or whatever year it was 2000 like she would have been one of those girls she would have mm-hmm. like learned how to play piano and you know had a completely different career but like mm-hmm. instead she had to hip thrust because she was a pretty blonde girl and that was just like what you did as a pretty blonde girl at that time you know right um, right also i should mention that we're talking so we're not doing like a beat by beat every single scene of the movie we're just sort of like talking about the movie um and all the things but we're also going to talk a little bit about the soundtrack because the soundtrack of this movie is like i Kunick, I mean, come on, like insane. I had the CD of it, and I want to say then a deluxe edition came out that had Cannonball on it because the wow. first one didn't have. Yeah, there were some bonus tracks. I want to say I had both versions because it was very important to me to have the song Cannonball in my <laughs> yeah. possession yeah. that opens the film. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. This is like this. This soundtrack is unreal. Like I get such. The first time in the movie when I watched it, because I've literally now watched the movie like eight times, which is super embarrassing. Um, no. I don't know who I think I am. I'm not, like, I, I like sometimes like I'm like some fucking journalist. Like it's, I'm doing hard hitting news, watching a walk to remember like girl. You, you're down. doing it right now. This is hard hitting news. <laughs> I was like, the first time I heard Only Hope, because I like forgot, I was like, oh my God. Holy shit. Chills. Literal chills chills and i still want that fucking dress she's wearing that vintage dress that would never be in a high school theater performance and her bangs were delicately gelled out of her face so she looked cooler because you know they got rid of the greasy bangs just for that one scene (laughs) and she had an iconic like olsen twin adjacent like crunchy wave going on in that musical i mean that whole song (laughs) And that song also gave us the moment in Laguna Beach where Christina auditioned for Broadway and was like, at the top of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the casting director is just like trying not to laugh and is like, fucking kill me. Like, who's who's her dad? Like, why do I have to be nice to her and give her my time? Because that song was such like, a, to bring up Vanessa Carlton again, it's, that was just such like one of those it was like the song that all the mu- musical theater girls fucking climaxed to at one yes. time. They were all like, oh my God, this yes. is my audition song that will change my life. All of them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So what was your, do you remember the first time you like saw this movie? Yes, I saw it in the movie theater and I don't remember who I went with. I either went with like a friend or like my mom. But I remember like before the weekend it came out, I was so excited. And I remember my best friend's older sister saw it like the Friday night it came out and we were like hanging out at my friend's house and her sister came home from the movies and was like, it was so like so good. It was so beautiful. Like, yeah. 
it's really sad because I'm in the in the trailer like you have no idea that like spoiler alert like Jamie's gonna die right. and I remember she told me and I was like what the girl in it dies I was in fifth grade like I couldn't understand like the most devastating movie I had seen at that point was either like my girl or like the Lion King right um, and I saw it and I just remember thinking like oh this is like a romantic like beautiful film like this is the love that I want like this is true love and I thought Shane West was fucking everything I still do I mean I kind of I was gonna say I kind of still do like he's everything because he's like kind of ugly if that makes sense like he's not like yes. traditional Ken doll hot he's like he like looks like a guy that would work at like Auntie Anne's at the mall and you'd be like oh he's cute yes you know <laughs> Yes, 100%. Or, like, his dad would own, like, the local, like, car repair shop, and he would kind of, like, help him from time to time and always have, like, greasy hands and, like, a towel in his, like, back pocket. Like, he just has that, like, rugged, small-town vibe, which is why he was so perfectly cast. And I also want to say one time in L.A., I saw him here at a Mexican restaurant, and he was, like, tucked in the corner, like, with some girl. And it was, like, he was not even in my field of vision and I like zeroed in on him because I'm like I have a Shane West meter like I know I know when he's around yeah yeah because I've loved him for so long like it was like I needed I I like it was the one celebrity sighting I've always wanted to have and once I had it I was like I'm good I remember when this so when this movie I've told this story before on the podcast but it's been a couple years when this movie came out obviously it's like all things tie back to Britney for me it came out a month before Crossroads so this was like, yeah, one month. And this was a huge deal at the time because it was like, you know, it was different than it is now where the girls just act when they want to act and they just design clothes when they want to design clothes. It was mm-hmm. like, you really were making like a public statement. Like, no, I'm doing a movie. It was a big deal. Yes. You know, the movie had a massive, if you were a pop star doing a movie at that time, it had a big giant budget and it was being sponsored by fucking Domino's or whatever. And, yes. you know, it was a big deal. There was like a, a collection of limited two of similar clothes. It had a big rollout, you know? Yes. So I was super nervous because the movie came out and it was so good. And I was like, fuck, this movie's so good. Now Britney has all this shit to live up to. And then Crossroads happened. And it was perfect. And it was perfection. It was one of the best movies of our generation. So it all worked out. That's such a good point, though. You make such a good point because I do feel like now the industry is so just like widespread. It's like you're a TikTok star and therefore you're on Euphoria. And also like you're an Instagram model and then you get this HBO series or whatever. And at the time, it was, like, to traverse, like, categories as, like, a young person in the industry was such a big deal. And, like, yeah, like, you you had to prove that, like, you were a serious actor. Yeah. Especially because going into it, everybody was obviously assuming that, A, your movie was going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. That, B, you wouldn't be able to act. And mm-hmm. that, C, everybody could, like, very easily have a new thing to make fun of you for. Yes, you know, totally. And I mean, Mandy at that point had done the Princess Diaries, but it's like you know, playing like the mean girl isn't that hard, right? And this, it was like when you play someone who's dying. I mean, she was the lead. You know, it was like a, and it was like a serious movie. It wasn't like, um, I mean, obviously, I guess the other thing that we should say is like, of course, this movie is super melodramatic. It's like very soapy. It's super super yes. like teen. You know, teen novel turned film it's very that yes yes but like it's effective it's effective 
enough. And as a kid, like I was watching this thinking to myself, like, I understand, I, I know exactly why this movie used to make me cry. Of course yes. I get it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it also, I mean, I did not get the right lessons from the movie when I was in fifth grade. Like in fifth grade, I literally was like, oh, so for Shane West to be in love with me, I have to be wildly religious. I'm also Jewish. It was like, I have to be aggressively, you know, into the Christian faith. Right. And I also have to be dying. Like I literally thought like, if I have a terminal illness and if I'm a really good Christian, like therefore Shane West will love me. And it's like, my mom was literally like, who are you? Like, you're not this like meek, quiet, like church girl. You're just trying to imitate Jamie Sullivan. I'm like, it's not happening for you. You're like, like, I'm the least Jamie Sullivan person literally on the planet. And I was like, thank you. Like, I just want to wear my sweater. Like I I didn't understand. You're like walking down the stairs to go to school in like a full floor length, like floral skirt and like denim yeah. shirt. Ah. Yes, with like little, like with little, like um, what are those like little Mary Janes with like socks on? <laughs> yeah. Like this doily is socks. a star frame. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, is your your baby more may need to be something that you like lean into like way more? I don't know. Oh my it's god, it's good. I- Thank you. I, I love her. So I have such a complicated relationship with her. Like I loved her so intensely and then I like refused her and now like I love her again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun to live in a time when Mandy Moore has had like a resurgence and it's like weird that people, there's a whole generation of people who know her as like a TV star, which is so mm-hmm. fucking weird to me. I'll never get over that. I know. And she just seems so happy. And like her, like her and her husband are so sweet. And I just feel like she just seems very, very deserving. Because I remember like hearing when she was dropped by her label too. I was like, what? Like she like, it wasn't a linear path for Mandy. Like she had to make her own opportunities. And I think she's doing great. I think so too. It's such a, that's actually a really good point. She really did have to kind of like craft out her own. She basically had to wedge her way in. Yeah. You know, because like we said earlier she was always compared to the other girls like mm-hmm. i put everybody on this podcast in a romeo and michelle high school reunion yearbook category it's just like easier yes. for me oh i love that you know so like mandy i've always equated to being in the c group she was not obviously Brittany, jessica or mm-hmm. christina she was not mm-hmm. like one of the I would say like Jessica probably was like a B group girl she wasn't Brittany or Christina right and then there was like the Jessica category but then Mandy wasn't even in that she was in the C group with the other girls yeah (laughs) she was like the other white meat literally (laughs) 100% so she really had so much working against her and then she releases this like just ridiculous song that even at 15 she said was like I hated the song Mm -hmm. I never liked the song it was absurd Mm -hmm. and then like every press tour every interview she did was her being asked what's it like to not be Britney Spears that was her her career was based on not being Britney Spears yeah yeah and I think she kind of, but that's what was so interesting was it was like, okay, so clearly like we're all talking about how much this girl is not Britney Spears, right. but then you're trying to push her into a Britney Spears mold, even though we all fucking know she's not Britney Spears. Right. And so that's why I feel like it was so 
refreshing to see her in this role because I remember I was like, oh, she has brown hair now and like this kind of cool choppy like haircut. Like she cut her hair kind of shorter. And I mean, like, I mean, in the, in the cry video, I mean, she's just like leggy celestial gorgeousness. I mean, come on. Ironic that you bring up her hair because the quote that I wrote down on my notes from Entertainment Weekly, actually, this was a recent, um, this was a recent interview. It was like on the anniversary of the movie. She Mm -hmm. said, I was blonde then. And for the most part, I hadn't really gone back since. It was a transform, it was transformative for me because it came at a time in my life when I was only seen from the pop music landscape and through the, through that lens. And she said, there was a real significance to coloring my hair as silly as it sounds there was, there was a significance in the way that people saw me, but also in the way that I carried myself and the way that I saw myself. And it's like, you know, something as simple as dyeing your hair dark back then was literally, I mean, it was like, oh, she's a bad girl. She's literally a bad girl now. Like yes. crossed over. She's a serious artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, even Jessica Simpson wrote in her book, like, when she was dating John Mayer, she dyed her hair brown because she wanted to be taken seriously as this, like, sultry brunette. I mean, it is, like, at that time, I feel like there was so little wiggle room. Like, you either were a blonde or you were a brunette, and you were expected to embody the perceived characteristics of those hair colors. Yes, absolutely. It's so wild. It's crazy. Like, even Christina, her, like, ex-Tina phase wouldn't have worked if she didn't initially dye her hair black that was the whole thing it was like I no longer am blonde that meant something yeah it did and then pink was like I'm gonna dye my hair pink because I'm a rock star yeah like Like, girl we see you okay (laughs) what group was pink in was she in the c group or the b group god that's hard to say I guess pink would have kind of like towed the line between b and c right that's what i think too it's like at moments she would be full b depending on what Mm -hmm. she had released and then there were times when it was like completely c yes and then i feel like if she even knew that we were having this conversation she'd be like fuck you i'm not in the group and (laughs) in my own group it's like okay (laughs) she would like peek in up from zoom like giving rock hands yeah Um, oh my god so let's like actually like talk a little bit about this uh this indie flick (laughs) yes yes so obviously a walk to remember is a movie about it's like a movie about a girl a young christian bible thumping girl who (laughs) is dying of cancer and she just Mm -hmm. found out recently and she falls in love with this guy who's like a bad boy and like he just recently got in trouble his punishment for getting in trouble was to be the lead in the school play. Like, okay. I was like, what a fun school. Like, I want to go, go to the principal every day. <laughs> like, your punishment is to be rewarded with, like, a possible yeah. career future. Yes. Like, what? And, and the play was written by Eddie Zimmerhoff. I also love the lady who plays, like, the teacher. She's like, this year's school play is a tale of a raging Tommy gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absurd and he's like he's like damn it i obviously can't do a school play on my own i need help from somebody yeah so he asks jamie who was mandy moore's character to um to help him become a star to help him become a, a broadway baby 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things happen. They very, very quickly, very, very quickly fall in love. I really, I don't know why when I was younger, I thought that this was like some long sword love. Like there were all these layers to their relationship. Cause I was like, I yeah. used to cry really hard to this. So I'm expecting A this deep- to be, yeah, yeah, like some shit really goes down. It's like they're in love 15 minutes into the movie, basically. No, literally. It start- I also feel like every Nicholas Sparks love story starts with one person very begrudgingly being like, I'm not into you, okay? Right, and the other yes. person's like, please. And I mean, I guess this was kind of interesting because Jamie was like, she just wanted him to like find Christ and like yeah. be a better person. And Landon Rollins Carter was like, he's like, I just want to like be done with this stupid play. And like, I don't want to tutor math on Saturdays. Like, I just want to like get fucked up with my friends and like casually injure like other kids at school (laughs) for the sake of a joke. For the sake Um, of just like having fun after school, almost killing Like Landon. Oh my God. The kids who play the friends are so talentless. First of all, they're all 40. (laughs) They're all in their mid 40s. Specifically, I'm thinking about that girl with the short dark hair. It's like, hey, here. And she's yeah. handing out the flyers of like Mandy in the like bikini. And she's like, hey, did you see this? And it's like, oh my God. She's like, I'm the, the girlfriend guys- of a mean boy. And I'm mean <laughs> yes. too. Yeah. And then he's like, we're through forever. <laughs> you made a mistake, Landon. You little chicken shit. <laughs> Oh my God. Anyways, sorry. I keep taking us off track. I just, there's so much to say. (laughs) There is no track. There is no track. Um, but it's interesting because it's like, I, one of the things that I also, and you brought this up, we were talking about it in our DMs. Like I hated Mandy this whole movie. And it's funny to watch this through the, like a 2020 lens in 2002. This was the ideal good girl. I mean, literally. Oh my God. I was like, she is so sweet. She's perfection. She's beautiful and doesn't know how amazing at the place she got to dress up. And she's so pretty. All she needs is to take off, take that ponytail out. She is insufferable. She's she's unbearable. She has this like smug little like smile. She's like, the the part where she goes, your act only works on an audience. (laughs) It's like, she does this little like Katie Holmes like side smile throughout the film. Um, and it is there's just this like intense smugness about like her spirituality that's like very irritating to watch and again this is no shade to anyone who's spiritual or religious that's not what I'm saying I'm saying the way Jamie Sullivan handles her shit totally is a little it's a little condescending she's bible thumping yeah like intensely and her dad is like Jamie you're acting like a child yeah (laughs) oh my god he's such a cliche he's like you can't go out and have too much fun with cancer it's like yeah. what everybody is such an extreme cliche in this movie that yes. it, like you expect some sort of growth from people but it's like no jamie dies bible thumping mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like she doesn't have any sort of like it's okay for me to let loose journey it's like no she's basically the same the whole movie and then she just dies and like yeah i guess he's not like a bully to girls anymore yeah it's like I guess that's Landon's like arc is that he has like ambitions now and like you know he like is going to do something with his life and so just continuing to like you know be a fuck boy but but yeah I mean it is true like from point A to point B like no one really makes that big of a transformation there's no real character development at all no you don't really know a whole lot about anybody except like 
you know, that's like that she is cancer. She's a good girl. Her dad's yeah. overbearing and protective. And he's a bad boy. Like that's that is the movie. This also this movie began a very long standing delusion that I had that I could change bad men. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this movie was the catalyst for so many unhealthy romantic entanglements that I got myself into because I thought if I'm just good, like if I'm just yeah. good enough, and I didn't, it wasn't conscious that this is where it started, but this was the earliest example I had of like the good girl can change the bad boy. I mean, I guess like even the end of Greece, like I have a problem with that too because I'm like, okay, cool. So Sandy has to just like, you know, hoe it up for Danny to like love yeah. her, like. It's like, if she wants to do that, fine, but you don't have to change yourself to be more like your partner. Like, that's stupid. Like, she had to, like, become a smoker to, like, yeah. find love. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, It also started a whole, I mean, we talked about this, too. Like, I, obviously, this movie wasn't the first, you know, it wasn't the first of its kind in the sense of, like, sick person in film falls in love with not sick person, whatever, mm-hmm. changes their heart. But, like, I feel like the success of this movie really created a, a subgenre for teenagers that yes. we still, I mean, to this day, is, like, nothing about it has changed. Nothing about it has grown at all. Like, it's the same movie being released over and over and over. And it's either the boy is sick or the girl is sick. I mean, yeah, like, a walk to remember walked, no pun intended, so that yeah. the Halt and Our Stars could run, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like me, Earl and the Dying Girl. And it is, I mean, like, yeah, it's like either it has these religious themes or it's like the manic pixie dream girl who's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I'm dying, but it's not a big deal. Don't bring it up, okay? Right, like, yeah. It's, it's yes. just, yeah, it is really interesting how this subject matter is handled in teen movies. It's it's wild. <laughs> Which I prefer, by the way. I, I prefer them. I always prefer the manic pixie dream girl over like whatever else trope. Yeah, as opposed to Jamie Sullivan, who's like, you know, I want to be in two places at once. Yeah, he's like, now you are. Oh my god, like, is there anything more sensuous, though, than him blowing on that fucking butterfly tattoo on her bony little shoulder blade? Oh my I mean, god, I, she's like, it oh. still turns me on, and she's so excited, she's like, mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm just like, if I'm dying, like, I'm gonna get a real tattoo. And could we talk? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> like why girl, does it matter? You put a, a, your dying wish was a fucking Cracker Jacks tattoo on your back. Like, <laughs> girl, I, I want more for you. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, he didn't, they didn't even do anything truly wild. But it, when I was younger, I was like, oh my God. She's, he's yes. got her living on the fucking edge and she deserves it. It's like, what did they even do? Yeah, like they straddled the state line. He got her like <laughs> another, you know, kind of grandma-esque sort of sweater. And that was like a very romantic thing. I also remember being so wildly moved at the end when the dad is like, she did. It was you. When he yeah. like, tells Landon that he was the miracle. I was like, ah! <laughs> the dad is the best. Oh my God, yes. Anytime they were having like a sensual moment outside the house he would just like kick the door open and be like get on boy get on get on <laughs> and to be like dad <laughs> yeah oh my gosh stop acting foolish yeah. like, oh. i remember the part i just like also did you kind of look into like the lore of this movie because i feel like shane west and mandy moore were devastatingly obsessed with each other like irl yes, i agree with that i really do. i want to I want a documentary about their love story. Like, we know, like, they were in love. Yeah. Like, 
to this day, I feel like Shane West just still is like so just like fondly like looks back so fondly on his friendship with Mandy and is like still obsessed with her like I think if she were available like Shane would go for it I think so too especially because like you know Mandy had a real off picker I guess we Mm -hmm. you could say um Mm -hmm. she only ever dated fuckboys when she was younger and then her most serious oh and I talked about her and Ryan Adams yes and that was so sad and like poor thing you know, her only real relationship, like, the only, like, you know, what she would consider to be, like, adult relationship that she ever really had was a, was so abusive. Yeah, terrible. You know? It's crazy. Like, the men that she picked throughout the whole trajectory of her career, from being a teenager, dating Wilmer, yeah, to him telling her, like, you're not allowed to play instruments or learn how to read music, like, so fucked up it's so and i feel sad. like shane was probably like a beacon of light in the darkness because i feel like yeah. based on the interviews i've seen from the early 2000s like when they were doing press tours for this like he was just so uh, like enamored with her yeah and they had like uh you know they really did have like uh as cheesy as the movie is they had a really intense chemistry they did like yeah. they were good together i thought they were, but that's why I love the cry video so much because you get to see that little part where he's like watching the the footage of them like joking around. Yeah. And like, it's fun to see like Mandy and Shane flirt because Mandy can let loose a little bit in ways that Jamie and her bangs cannot. Right. <laughs> Jamie and her bangs. <laughs> the greasy bangs. They oh. made her look so pallid. And then they over like cherry chapsticked her lips so they yeah. were like bright, like peach and like very shiny and then her face was so pale and then the greasy bangs and they were like she's sick and I'm like I mean that's a makeup choice I know and it's like okay you're conservative we get it like why are you literally every single day wearing like giant like slinky sweaters Mm -hmm. and skirts that drag on the ground with kids it's like we get it like yeah She's in like a full place of cottage core. Oh, one thousand. She invented it, one thousand percent. Yeah. You know that, like, in her locker was a full cottage core. Like, dec- remember when people would like decorate their locker with like their identity? Yes. How <laughs> did you decorate your locker? It definitely had a mirror for sure. It, like, was it was very important to have a magnet mirror. Yes. Um. I remember I kept like a lot of cologne and things like that in there because I was always very very self-conscious about like like being told all through puberty like you're going to smell like shit Mm -hmm. you're a boy my mom being like guess what every single day your whole body is going to smell like absolute dog shit all day you are going to sweat so much and just being so scared about it you're like ah (laughs) so I was always like I was like teenage boy that was covered in cologne ugh you From probably head to smelled toe. amazing. The smell of Axe. The intoxicating <laughs> yes. smell of Axe. Yeah. Axe and like Abercrombie Fierce. Abercrombie Fierce? Forget <laughs> about it. Honestly, that cologne would still work on me. Like I, totally. my first, my first college crush like bathed in Abercrombie Fierce and I like, he's a terrible person, but I just remember being a freshman in college and like smelling him and being like, eh. Yeah. yeah, I remember my friends used to be like, can I smell your cologne on, like, my pillow? Or, like, whatever. <laughs> like, on this old shirt. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I can pretend I have a boyfriend. Yeah, it smells so good. Yes. I loved it. But, yeah, I loved, like, I loved, uh, 
like having an identity in my locker and I loved like going to all my friends yes. lockers and like seeing what their whole gig was yeah, it was like a secret world in there. It was like the Chronicles of Narnia, like mm-hmm. in your locker. I remember mine, I like came like the day before school once and I did like a whole like magazine, like celebrity pop culture collage, like on the inside of my door once with like obviously a mirror and a little basket for extra pencils and stuff. And then I remember like the like, the there were also kids who like didn't decorate their lockers at all. And I remember I was like, whoa. Yeah, edgy. that was always so sad, right? It would be like, yeah. oh, dark. Yeah, I was like, wait, but why wouldn't you? And I'm like, what? I mean, I'm sure, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then by freshman year, I was just shoving trash. Like my locker exactly. would open and it was literally just a square trash like heap. Yes, same. I mean, that's the other thing too, though. Like I think about like probably what I made my mom spend on like locker stuff. And she was probably like, I'm not spending like $50 on like crap for your locker. Like it's going to be fine. Like yeah. get one shelf. Like it's going to be okay. Just so that you can open it and be like, see guys, all this yeah. stuff I have in here. Yeah. Like anyways, anyone want some gum? Yeah. <laughs> I have like seven back and body works in here. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like a Victoria's Secret love spell. I always say, I feel like Brittany Cartwright smells like Victoria's Secret love spell. She still. Brittany Cartwright is the girl that mixes a bunch of different Victoria's Secrets together to like make her own scent. Yes. I always put like love spell and (laughs) sweet pay together. Like, you know, she like has for 20 years made her own scent. Yes. And she also is the kind of person who has like multiple car fresheners in her car where she's like, I do the beach smell from Yankee and I do the sand smell from Yankee and coconut. And then I feel like I'm at the beach all year round. (laughs) And sometimes new car smell. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So that my car feels new. (laughs) And and you know, like in Kentucky, like she ran shit. Like I'm sure she was the coolest girl in town. In Lexington. Sure. I mean, are you kidding me? First of all, I feel like Britney was like one of those like teen movie mean girls who like pretended to be sweet but was so fucking mean probably to people secretly. I mean, yeah. You I feel like she would have been mean. She would have been mean to Jamie Sullivan. Uh, she would have been. <laughs> Can we talk for a second actually about the the bullies in this movie? Please. Can we talk about the bullying? Yes. Like, what in God's name (laughs) it's like what the fuck and then they're all just like decide to be nice because they find out she's dying i know it's so transparent it's like y'all are just feeling guilty now you don't give a shit like even the bullies have a really weird half-ass character arc where they're like we're mean but now eh, we found out she has cancer or leukemia so eh, sorry sorry man yeah i will say like I mean, the movie, what, I don't know any high school bullies. Like, high school bullies to me were terrible because, at least to me, they were indifferent. Like, they thought I was weird and annoying and just acted like I didn't exist. Right, yeah. I can't think of, like, a high school bully that, like, purposely, like, took an unassuming victim and, like, put them in a very perilous situation and was like, ah, like belly flop on like yeah. a, in, you know, a weird man-made body of water and just like, let's giggle about it. Like, it's so wild. And then, yeah. And then like the hazing of like photoshopping Jamie's face on like, you know, a sexy woman and being like, whoa, Virgin Mary, like, oh. yeah. like who is the, who has the time? Who thinks that way? I know the way that, um, the way that bullies were written back in the early 2000s was so funny, especially female bullies. Just like, literally, they're written as like, 
it's almost like they're written as like the lead in like a sexual thriller, but they're like not there yet. They're like the teenage yes. version of a sexual thriller. They're like, she's like, hey, Jamie, why don't you come in the lunchroom and eat lunch with me today? <laughs> like, it's so like exaggerated. And Jamie's like, okay. And then she comes yeah. in and like hands her that thing. And she's like making like sexy, like wink faces into the camera. Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. nice bud. Nice bud. <laughs> I guess you're a slut. <laughs> yeah. And then, but I remember like, I remember at that part too, being like, oh, I wish I could get bullied like that. So I could just run into Landon's arms. Uh, right. Of course I thought it was so there. hot the way he like, yeah, like stood up for her and like alienated his friends because he wanted to stand up for Jamie. Oh, it's such a scene. Yeah. yeah. And it was like a classic, like, she's like, I can't take it anymore. Ah! And she like turns around and runs away and like slams into his chest. And she's like, yes. She's, like delicate and like, Yes. Just draped on him. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like deep breathing. And he's like, this is about me. This is not about you. Like it's so intense. It's so intense. He like snarls those lines into her ear affectionately. And then he's like, what the hell, man? And then, yeah. And then they get in that whole physical fight. Also, I remember thinking because of those movies that like, if a guy like got in a fight with another guy over me, that was a good thing. But now I'm like, I do not want to date like an aggressor who's going to like punch someone in the face. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's just get the fuck out of here and stop fighting yeah. with these idiots. Also, yeah. when um, anytime, like when he finally starts openly dating her mm-hmm. and anytime he like walks past his old group of friends and they're all like, like making like the most exaggerated like yeah can you believe yeah they're like did you did, did you also again to like the point i was making earlier about like how you like like the whole grease like sandy idea the right. second landon starts dating jamie he's in this like wispy like gauzy tie-dye short sleeve button up with like embroidery in the sleeves and it's like oh so do you have to just like dress like a little like hippie man now that you're dating like <laughs> super spiritual jamie sullivan like does not compute it does it's his it's his development it's his character arc he he wears like different fabrics that's his thing yes he, he had a fabric evolution i also want to say one time i i met the dad landon's dad from the movie who has like you know 30 seconds yes i was in a cafe and he started talking to me and i was like this guy has like actor energy and like he was super nice super cool but at this age you know a little more grizzled but like very right. nice and we started oh, his dad. yeah landon's okay, dad okay, okay, in the okay. movie sorry and I remember he was, like, super nice, and, uh, you know, at the end of our conversation, it was, like, it was one of those, like, conversations with a stranger at a diner counter that got, like, weirdly deep, and it was, like, oh, my God, but, like, not in a creepy way or anything, and then I remember looking at him up and being, like, holy fuck, that was Landon's dad in a walk to remember, who's, like, Landon, I don't know her treatment, I can't just, I can't just treat her, and then I'm he's, sorry, like, buddy. dead. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy, and I remember being, like, oh, my God, like, I was starstruck, because this movie was just, like, everything to me as a kid. Yeah, and also, can we talk about Daryl Hannah as his mom with pigtails? What? The the hair work on Daryl. <laughs> like. Was an insult. It was To her so illustrious insulting. career. Yeah. Like, like, this is what a mom be- looks like. Those, ba- the bangs, it was like a, it was like a long bowl cut. Like, it was yeah. like a. It was so unclear in the pigtails. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to teach my kid to dance, so I'm going to wear some mom pigtails. Lots of montage, lots of really good montages in this movie that are like, you know what a montage when you can tell they're not saying actual words? Mm-hmm. They're like just mouth talking to, and they know that music mm-hmm. is going to be over it. Like a lot of mm-hmm. like really 
really good montages them dancing and slow dancing in the living room was a lot for me oh my god i the the just can't get enough montage when they're falling in love during the play rehearsals i mean it full body chills every time i always get so excited when he's teaching the kid to play like about math using basketball because i'm like oh the song's about to come (laughs) speaking of song we should talk let's talk about the soundtrack now yes so let me just start by saying that I am so perplexed by Mandy Moore's music because I don't, I think that Mandy Moore, I've always said on this podcast that I think she has a really weird relationship to her own music where like, mm-hmm. kind of like a Miley thing where it's like anything pre whatever year doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, except for like, yeah. I'll end a show by singing like a cocktail version of Candy. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah. But like, I loved Mandy Moore's music. I really genuinely back in the day was like, I thought her voice was so beautiful, mm-hmm. so angelic. And I just, I mm-hmm. and this was like, to me, the soundtrack of this movie was like peak old school Mandy Moore, like what she should have been singing. Oh, I mean, I always say she's the pioneer of like the sexy song whisper. Mm. I want to be with you. It's like, oh, Mandy, yes. like so she true. did that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like her voice on this soundtrack was just so perfect because it was so ethereal yeah. and poppy at the same time in some of the songs she got to do. And it was just a perfect blending of like all of Mandy's vocal talents. Did you know that, um, that, what is, is it, only, is it called Only Hope? Mm-hmm. That song is a remake. Her version of- another version? Are you ready for Wait. this? You're going to die. I'm not ready for this story, but lay it on me. So I have to look it up really quick, the name of the band. They're a Christian rock band from the early 2000s. Oh, Switchfoot? Switchfoot, yeah, yeah. Yes. Sw- that's Switchfoot's song. So I didn't, that's, I was actually curious about this because both of the versions are on the soundtrack. Because as uh-huh. a kid, I loved both. If I was in a particularly angsty mood, I would go Switchfoot version. Mm-hmm. If I was in a normal mood, I would go Mandy version. Yeah. But I was like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So you're saying the Switchfoot version existed first and then Mandy covered it for this film. So apparently Mandy loved Switchfoot. They were her favorite band. And (sighs) at the time, nobody knew who they were. They were completely unknown. And she was like, I really want this band Switchfoot to like basically be the whole soundtrack aside from me. So they like brought them in. She like gave them a career. She like brought them in. And they did, like, a duet. And then, you know, like, a bunch of their songs are, like, playing throughout the movie. And then um, she remade Only Hope. I think that's what it's called for the the movie. And, yeah, her version obviously went on to become, like, super crazy successful. But that's their song. And they wrote it. So they, like, got the writing credit for it and, like, got paid a shit ton of money for her performing it hashtag influence like mandy is like an og influencer she's like you are gonna like this band i (laughs) I like this band isn't that crazy i mean that is some major pull especially at that age to be like not only is this gonna be my acting debut yeah diaries doesn't count um no shade but it doesn't Um, (laughs) right it doesn't um, but also i'm gonna do the soundtrack and also my favorite band is also gonna do the soundtrack i mean it was a very angsty soundtrack but in like the best way in the best way it's got a lot of like 
like the switch foot sound is so of that time it's like what yes i considered rock and roll to be in the early 2000s just like mm-hmm. you know it's like that alternative rock like and it's also christian music which i had no idea and like listening back and knowing when i watched the movie the second time i was like oh these are all giving you christian the house down i didn't realize yes Yes, I I remember knowing that at the time and as a kid just being like, oh, cool. Like my parents, you know, can't be mad that I'm listening to this wholesome but emotional music. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, if you if you know that they're a Christian rock band, you're like, oh, okay. Like yeah. you do kind of hear the songs a little bit differently. But yeah, I mean, I love this soundtrack because it's such a nice blend. If you have those like those switch foot bangers that just like mm-hmm. hit you right in the feels yep. and those Mandy bangers, but then you have like, fun little songs like top loaders dancing in the moonlight you have oh my god I know. you have the new radical song uh, mother we just can't get enough uh i also love um someday we'll know which i think yes. Mandy did with the lead singer of switchfoot yes that was their like co- that is actually could possibly be like one of my favorite songs from the soundtrack Oh my God. So I hadn't listened to the soundtrack like straight through probably since I was like maybe in high school. I don't know, but I was going on like a long drive a couple weeks ago and I listened to it all the way through like driving to Malibu, like to prepare for this. And I was just like driving under a tunnel with the windows down being like, someday we'll know. (laughs) And it's such a good song. I, I was so emotional. I was like, wow, I feel like true pure joy in this moment. It's so good. It's so, like, it reminds me of the kind of music that, like, so when I was a teenager, my one of, not my first job, but one of my first jobs was as, like, a polo folder at Hollister. Like, literally Mm -hmm. had, like, maybe had one job prior. They were like, you're not even qualified to work here. You've never worked retail. We'll put you in, like, a dark, fucking dimly lit room in the fucking, not even kidding. It was, like, truly the most degrading job of my life. But the plus was that they sold CDs. And, like, because they sold CDs, we would get them in, like, the week of their release. So we would, like, play singles and, like, play music and shit that was, like, going to be released soon. And this was, Uh like, this this band very much reminds me of, like, that vibe of, like, shopping in Hollister in the fucking pitch black. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I'm, first of all, kudos to you for having that job because that sounds hard. Are you still good horrible. at folding polos though? Like, do you still know how? Um, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, am, I, I do, I feel like it's like muscle memory. I'm like. That's like, how I am with sudden. like, that's how I am with rolling silverware because I've worked in restaurants for so long where I just like, I can just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't think it. About never it. leaves you. Um, but yeah, I mean bringing it back to Laguna Beach too I feel like this whole time period I think of like uh like Oasis Dashboard Confessional The Fray like Mm -hmm. this whole genre of music and now like looking back I'm like that was like all I listened to and like now it's like I have to be in a specific mood to want to listen to this like whiny music but at the time it was like everything to me Laguna is the perfect example like the Laguna soundtrack was the soundtrack to our lives really like mm-hmm. Rooney and like just all of that Rooney, stuff you know? the OC <clears throat> I mean the OC <clears throat> dictated what music I liked for years I mean oh like my god I liked Death Cab because of the OC yeah <laughs> oh my god Death Cab I was like oh. I'm such an Anna like, <laughs> the other day I read something where somebody was like talking about how embarrassing Death Cab's like old songs are and I was like are they like, I still listen, like, if I'm having, like, a down day where I only want to listen to somber music, like, 
Death Cab is still one of the first things that pops into my mind. Same. Oh my gosh. I'll go like Death Cab, Postal Service, Stars. Did you ever listen to Stars? Of course. I loved, I remember listening, like I would cry to the song Calendar Girl like all the time. Oh my God. Postal Service too used to really make me feel things. Like interpreting Postal Service lyrics was like, I literally thought I was the most musically inclined person that had ever existed. Yeah. I mean, it's like before there was Taylor Swift, there was Postal Service. You know, before there was folklore, there was all of the aforementioned music. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. If you guys haven't listened to, I don't know for what reason you would have recently listened to the Walk to Remember soundtrack, but I'm just saying like the movie is on Netflix. It's there for a reason. It's to be watched and- the soundtrack is so good. I was like, am I listening to this a second time? Like, is this happening right now? And the song Cry, like, still makes me really emotional. Like, oh my I'll God. always remember. Like, the second it starts, you're just like, I'm fucking done. Like, bye. I know. And can we just talk about briefly, like, the revelation we had about that music video, like, while we were preparing for this podcast? It was a shock. A shock to the system. I want to let you explain it because you're the one that broke the news to me. I, I really didn't news. know. I never, I never know things that you don't know from a pop culture standpoint. So this was a shocking moment for both of us. I was watching Walk to Remember, and then I was like, hold, I want to watch the Cry video because as a kid, I think it was like a special feature on the DVD. I remember I had the DVD, and I always watched like the director's commentary, but that's neither here nor there. Right. I watched the Cry video countless times, and I was like, I love this video. It's so cute. Shane and Mandy are flirting, et cetera. And, you know, it features Mandy looking like a leggy celestial goddess in the yep. sky with, like, like solar flares and moonbeams and a fan. She's like, the moon. You know, you guys yes. can't see, but I'm doing a lot of arm work and, like, a yes. facial caress. I'm, like, not blinking. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm watching it. And I was like, Troy, is Mandy supposed to be dead in this video? Because the video is also, like, Shane, like, looking forlorn, like, somber, like, watching, like, what looks like home movies of them flirting, and he's walking, and he's looking through a telescope, and then he sees, like, Mandy in the sky, and then he, there's, like, a marquee that says Walk to Remember, but they're, like, taking the letters down, and I'm like, Mandy is for sure supposed to be dead. She's and, dead. And, like, an angel in this he's video. He's looking and you walk, up at her into the, in the galaxy. As in the galaxy. And you watch it, and you're like, holy shit, Mandy's dead in this video. It's crazy. And that song is, oh my God, that song is so good. Like the re-list, like Mandy's music has like a re-listen quality. What's that called? You can listen to it more than once. I don't know, but I agree. You, I, I can listen to good Mandy Moore songs like 40 times in a row. Yes. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like I'll hear a Mandy Moore song, like, you know, at a car wash, like, while I'm in the waiting room, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm having a good day now. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes. I I also love her cover of Have a Little Faith in Me, and don't get me wrong, like, I love the original, but hers is so just, like, beautiful, and it's just so, like, delicate and, like, easy on the ears. That's what it is. Heavy on the feels, easy on the ears. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's like, easy listening with no G at Mm -hmm. the end. Yes, easy listening with yeah. little apostrophe. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it makes me sad. I was, uh, I've talked about this before. Like, it, it just makes me sad because she obviously has a lot of, like, dark feelings surrounding all of her old music. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, I feel like she was discredited as an artist so much that she was like, you know what? I can't sing any more of these fucking songs. Like, I really literally have to, like, release an album of 
Billie Holiday remakes or whatever for people to think I'm a real artist. And she still hasn't figured that out. Like my friend Dara was telling me that she went to a Mandy show and Mandy like performed, you know, everybody was there to like have fun. They were all excited to like see Mandy do her thing on stage or whatever. And it was all just like slow strum of the guitar, like, like Merlot music. You know what I mean? About like, Mm -hmm. like just sad. And I think that she thinks it makes her more of a real artist in quotes, if she does that stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's Mm -hmm. less of a real artist if she embraces her old music. And it's like the only old song she'll ever perform is Candy. And it's like against her will. And it's like, no girl, I would, I would literally go pay money to watch you perform. I want to be with you. I would pay money to, to watch you perform cry like please oh my god in my pocket <laughs> remember her like oh my god I'm nurser? no in my pocket in my heart in your back pocket it's, it's like her oh Bollywood yes <laughs> yes I I mean that's the thing I think there that has to be a really complex thing to have gotten so famous so young in the way that she did and at the same time that those other girls were coming up yeah. but it's also just like and, and I, I get it. I get how it must be kind of daunting to have people be like, play some of your old stuff. And she's yeah. like, this song came from my soul and yeah. I want to perform it. Totally. I get that. But it is also like, you're a full-fledged icon, Mandy. So yeah. like, lean the fuck in. Even if lean it's in. just one. Just give us cry. Just give us I want to be with you. Just give us one. It's like George Clooney, like one for them, one for me. Like, come yeah. on. She will not perform any of those songs. Like, I don't know if we'll ever see her sing cry again, ever. Devastating. I didn't I know. know that, but that's really upsetting because if I heard that she was, like, playing somewhere live, I would immediately get a ticket. But, I mean, that's like that's like seeing the Spice Girls in concert, and they're like, I'm not going to do Wannabe. Yeah, it's like, like, we're over it. It's like, no, we're not. Yeah. Yeah, we're not. We love you. And this, and the thing too about that specific era of music, like 90s and early 2000s, is like for us, it carries this like intense nostalgic weight, as exactly. does this like movie and this soundtrack to bring it all back together. And so it's like, it is so sad when the artist doesn't want to like play ball in that way because you're like shutting the door to this very nostalgic relationship I have with you and the specific. Right portion of your career that literally was like part of me forming my identity as a child you know what I mean no pressure but that's what it was that's why I think that for her it's like trauma I think that all Mm -hmm. of the pop girls from the 90s have a lot of trauma especially like so like surrounding how their how their sexuality was marketed and like how they had no ownership of it at all and you know, Mandy's so smart. I feel like she looks back at that song. I feel like she looks back at Candy. Candy is the most sexually su- suggestive song of all of the girls. Ironically. Yeah. If you really listen yeah. to like Genie in a Bottle, Baby One More Time, Candy, and uh, whatever Jessica's like first song was. Was it Irresistible? No. What was it? What was her first one? Shoot. I forget now. Of all of them, Mandy's is the most, like, as an adult, you're like, whoa. Like, yeah. I'm missing your candy in my mouth. Like, your sweet, sweet candy inside my mouth. Like, it's really inappropriate. Wow. So I would picture that as an adult, she probably looks back and is like, I'm not fucking performing that. Totally. I don't and care it, I how mean, bad that- they want to hear it. 
That's so true. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it could literally be triggering too, like Mm -hmm. just to even interact with those kinds of songs. I mean, yeah, I, I, my heart really does go out to all of these women who came up in that time, because I mean, even, you know, you and I both love Gaga, but like even Gaga who came up in like what, 2009. Right. And she kind of was in a place where she could sort of flip the script a little bit and be like, yeah, I'll be sexy in a meat dress. Like she put her own kind of artsy spin on it. But at the time, like those girls were not empowered to do that. And I also feel like because they were so young and they were like, oh my God, I'm being given a chance. Then there's no room to negotiate. There's no room to be like, well, hold on. Like I want to I want a say in what I say, which is I think probably why this movie was actually so empowering for Mandy because she got to dye her hair brown and be like, I'm out. Like, I'm not just a pop star. I'm going to do edgy roles like Jamie Sullivan and also How to Deal. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she got to act with Allison Janney. Like, iconic. I know. know. And her acting career, I mean, it's crazy to think like what her whole life would have been if she did. I mean, this movie is without any question the most important thing she ever did like even more so than releasing candy like this movie is i mean she's still acting because of how good how well received she was in this film you know yeah totally and i mean like yeah she i feel like after this she got to do so many other amazing cinematic uh have so many other cinematic adventures that i hold dear to my heart, such as Because I Said So, which I think is one (laughs) of the best, worst movies of all time. Yes, it's so good. Um, It's so, so bad and so good at the same time. (laughs) And also, she made that tangled money and did the voice of Rapunzel. And for that reason, I'm like, you go, Mandy. Like, you paid your dues. You make that Disney money. Make that This Is Us money. Like, get on after it. I'm proud of her. I really, I'm always rooting for Mandy. I always want the best for her. I'm still, I know that she like released music recently and it didn't really do a whole lot. And I'm like Mm -hmm. praying that like before her time is over on this earth that she like is able to finally live out like whatever music dream she has. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, it's been, you know, a decade of like reinventing herself and trying to be taken seriously and being told she can't do stuff and having to go through the whole Ryan Adams thing. So Mandy's a listener of the podcast, a longtime listener. And Mandy, yes. we are rooting for you, hon. We are rooting for you. Keep doing what you're doing. I also think with This Is Us, like with the success of This Is Us, it has to be kind of a relief because it's like money is not the issue. She's right. in this beautiful marriage with this adorable little musician man. Not not physically little. I don't know him. Yeah. But she's in this beautiful <laughs> marriage with this sweet man and they get to make music together. And I do feel like it has to be kind of nice because now if she wants to explore her music in any way, there isn't this pressure of like, oh, this has to make me a lot of money. Otherwise, what the fuck am I going right. to do? Like, I feel like there's wiggle room to sort of explore creatively for her benefit and then if people love it great and then if they don't it's like okay well if she likes it then cool yeah she can kind of like be creatively free which is yeah. I think what she's always always only wanted to do I mean, that's the dream, right? Like, I always, like, grew up being like, I want to be an actress and I want to be in TV and film. And now it's like, I mean, I, of course, great. But it's like, if I could just make a ton of money doing, like, commercials and whatever other small roles and then I could, like, do a play that I really wanted to do just for myself, like, creatively with my friends, even if no one saw it, I'd be like, that's so cool. Like, I feel like that is kind of, like, the sweet spot as a famous person is to be in a place where you have such a steady cash flow where you can then take on creative projects that are fully just for your heart center and not for anybody else, you know? Yeah. And like not 
because you like desperately need people to like yeah you're not like in a place of desperation yeah you're not like in a place of like being told what to do by people who don't have your best interests like you're just acting out creatively yeah it's like go do go do an off-broadway play like sure why not yeah it's the dream what do you like if you could if you could like pick Mandy Moore's future for her what would you like what do you want to see from Mandy Moore oh my god because I know what I want to see uh I definitely would love to see like a folklore adjacent record from her like I really want her to lean into like a bohemian like folky moment because I do think that's like I again that salt of the earth vibe like I feel like that is who she is yes um and then I also would really like to see her in a movie again I mean I think this is us is like a brilliantly written show um and I think that cast is just so fire. But, like, I want to see her on the big screen again. Mm-hmm. And I want to see her in a rom-com. Honestly, like, like if she wants to do dramatic stuff, fine. But, like, with the heaviness of This Is Us, it's like, I just want to see her do something, like, fun. And not a bad movie, like, Licensed to Wed. Like, a good rom-com. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that'd be amazing oh my god it would be so fun to see mandy do a rom-com fuck right like as like a lead like not because i said so but like you know like a movie like that where like she's a lead and it's well written like i would you know what i would love to see mandy more in a nancy myers movie i was literally going i was like in my mind trying to think like of nancy myers name that would make me so happy and i think energetically they are like fully aligned yeah like she needs to be in a movie with a bunch of like goddesses like a a Meryl Streep Diane Keaton yes whatever Goldie any of the gals bring in whoever but like some like funny older gals I would love to see Mandy acting with somebody like that yes I want to see like like Olympia Dukakis be her like sassy grandma yeah you know I would live for that actually that would be amazing I didn't that wasn't like where my mind initially went but it actually I feel like that is the correct answer and like Rachel McAdams would play like her rude sister. Right, yes. <laughs> and then it would be like two Nicholas Sparks women in one movie. I mean, yes. you could ask for anything more. What was your answer gonna be? Mine was gonna be um like a an indie movie, like a mm. something like a almost like sort of Francis Ha E. I was gonna say like a Rachel getting married, a pieces of April. Yes. Something where she's like the lead in like a really cool like indie movie something like I don't know I, I could just see that for her I think it would be cool to see her if she did do something dramatic have it be like something super random yes I would love to see her and Greta Gerwig work together yeah like I think that, I, that would be a real natural transition for her yeah yeah I could totally see that too and again George Clooney one for them one for me like can she do an Nancy Myers movie give us that just like pure rom-com joy make that yep. major nancy myers coin and then yep. go do a little indie because you feel like it and we're gonna love that too yeah i'll take it all give Let's, me mandy <laughs> we need to like slide into mandy's dms we're gonna look like fucking psychopaths and just be like so we figured everything out yeah. for you we have a plan we have a plan for you and it we- involves you reaching out to a bunch of people because you have the connections yes and both of our messages to her will start with like Hey, Mandy, missing you like candy. Have some ideas for your career. (laughs) Or have some ideas for your career, you hear? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I don't, do you have any closing thoughts about this film and uh, this era of films and soundtracks? I mean, 
No, I just have to say thank you so much for this opportunity. Like there's so much to say. I could literally go on and on and on. I think the early 2000s is such a rich time for pop culture, for music, yes. for, for all of it. Um, so it was such a treat to be able to talk about this with you. I don't have any final thoughts. I just want to say if y'all haven't seen A Walk to Remember in a while, I highly encourage you go watch it and listen to the soundtrack and then just report back to both of us on like what sensory journey you just went on because it's yeah. a wild one. Because it's, it's an interesting... 2020 rewatch it's like oh mm -hmm. i see you will see everything differently everything because you're like yeah that's the thing it's like that's what's so amazing about the early 2000s and sort of diving into early 2000s like pop culture is you're like i have changed so much from the person i was when i was like 11 and saw this movie but oh like god but seeing these things that have not changed while we are now adults is just like it's so trippy yeah of like what was like expected of like a good girl yes nuts nuts and it's so it's honestly so exciting too to see uh comparing it to like what i watch now like it's so exciting to see movies like this and then to watch like euphoria and be like wow the way teenagers are portrayed now is oh like my just God, like it's crazy beautifully multifaceted and just it's just it's really cool to see how far uh this type of storytelling has come well tell people where they can find your amazing podcast Oh my gosh. Thank you so much again for having me. This was uh, a blast. This is not going to be their last time here. So, and, and you on mine. I mean, we're in, <laughs> we're in this. Yeah, we're in now. Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, y'all can find me at Hannah A. Brown. The A is very important. Otherwise you'll get the other one. <laughs> and I like to say I'm the best Hannah Brown that you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you talk about that. There's like a doppelganger of you in the fucking podcast. World. I'm so bitter. Uh, it's not a good look, but it's a PR spin. I'm the best Hannah Brown you've never heard of. So find me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter and at Hannah A. Brown zero on TikTok if you want. Um, it's not that exciting. And then my podcast is called Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown. It's pop culture. It's interviews. It's just having fun and laughing and relating to each other about being human. So check it out. And also before we end this, I just want to say that Hannah is, if you haven't noticed, fucking amazing at impressions. And if you've never listened to her, her housewives impressions are like she truly is like she embodies every single fucking housewife and like New York is where you shine. You just had a Dorinda video recently go Instagram viral and it was worth it. It was worthy and worth it. Oh my God. Thank you Deserving. so, so much for that. Uh, I got really excited when people started showing up in the comments being like, I don't care that you're leaving. You're a drunk mess. I'm like, I'm not Dorinda. <laughs> like That's first of all, I mean, that is like, you could die happy. <laughs> Oh my God. People actually thought that you were fucking Dorinda. I was like, I've made it. This is my time. <laughs> the wig really elevates it. <laughs> the wig like enters your brain, literally. It does. It's like a channel. It's like I get possessed by the spirit of Dorinda. <laughs> well, thank you, Hannah. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at Dunzo Pod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. 
Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.